Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Karen Hunt, aka KH Majak, with a new essay for you. This essay is titled Mind Pox. All of these nuts could spread insanity, oozing into the ears of all these poor sane people, infecting them, wackos everywhere, plague of madness. That's from 12 Monkeys. A plague of madness is infecting people's minds. Let's call it mind pox. Forget monkey pox. Maybe that's the next pandemic. Maybe not. Maybe it's just a test to see how people react in preparation for the big one. They keep telling us there will be a big one. Like the California earthquakes, we're always waiting for the big one. With monkey pox, it feels like we're right back at the beginning of COVID, the mixed messaging. No need to panic, but take it seriously. Just check out this smirking article on COVID from January 2020 in The Spectator titled, There's No Need to Panic. Newsreaders have appeared on screen wearing face masks just in case, presumably, one of their viewers coughs over the TV set. In Wuhan, health authorities have apparently set themselves the task of building an entire new hospital in under a week. And the panic seems to have spread to Europe too, with airline passengers being scanned for signs of high temperature, which of course could have a hundred causes other than coronavirus. Yet while all this has been going on, the virus has been proving itself pretty poor at killing its host. Up until Thursday p.m., 571 cases had been confirmed and a further 10 in other countries. By this stage of the winter two years ago, flu was already reported to have killed 155 people. Ah, for those long gone days of innocence before the you-know-what hit the fan. Remember those toilet paper jokes of 2020? They took the edge off. Now there's jokes about the name monkeypox. The minute that word took over the news, a plethora of memes appeared. How could they not? It was all too hilarious. Again, it took the edge off. Remember how for two years we were subjected to photos of jabs going into arms? Now it's pus-filled sores. The mind games are working splendidly and they are escalating. Without even realizing it, we have fallen into habits that have led to a normalization of the horrors we are experiencing. Manufactured horrors built upon relentless psychological abuse. Those responsible for the policies that led to the devastation of the past two and a half years, incredibly, are still running the insane asylum in which they would like us all to reside. No matter how much proof is brought to show that masks don't work, lockdowns don't work, the vaccines don't work, everyone in positions of power, the media, the scientists, the HW, the WHO, the billionaires, the CEOs, they all keep right on telling us that they do. We are expected to agree despite every proof to the contrary. Maybe these pandemics are real. Maybe Bill Gates really is a good guy and wants to help. Maybe the World Economic Forum really is a bunch of benign rich people who want to turn the world into a paradise. If these maybes were true, then we would have to accept that the statement the 19th century historian and moralist Lord Acton expressed in a letter to Bishop Creighton in 1887 that power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely, great men are almost always bad men, is not true. But we know Acton's statement is true. We know it. 
History has taught us as much. These past two years have cemented the fact into our minds. Yet, we are supposed to turn away from truth and parrot lies, a form of madness. The wealthiest among us have built massive industries and hoarded untold wealth with the promise that they will help us poor suckers live healthier, more fulfilling lives. This is absurd, and yet people eat it up and fall at the feet of these powerful maniacs. Those who promised us better health have done some good, yes, but that good was momentary, and the drugs that were supposed to help us are now turning into our worst nightmares. Take antibiotics, for example, an incredible discovery. The problem is that the drugs we we, we relied on for more than 70 years to fight bacterial infections, everything from cuts to pneumonia, are becoming useless. For years, they have been misused and overprescribed in both people and animals. The result has been drug-resistant superbugs. The National Center for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that more than half the antibiotics used in the U.S. are prescribed unnecessarily or used improperly. And then there are all those antibacterial cleaning products in our homes. Remember when Dr. Fauci told us we needed to sanitize every single item in all surfaces? Remember making children cleanse their hands obsessively with antibacterial soap? They contain triclosan and other antibiotics, Arashi Rangan, PhD, director of the Consumer Report Center for Safety and Sustainability, said. These products may promote resistance, and plain soap and water is enough to get most cleaning jobs done. Yet, the madness continued. 2020 saw hand sanitizer sales increase by 255% in February 2020 alone. Let's talk about farm animals. About 80% of the antibiotics sold in the U.S. are fed to livestock to speed growth and prevent disease in healthy animals. This despite the fact that this practice breeds superbugs, which can spread in the environment, contaminate our food, and undermine the effectiveness of antibiotics. Now that antibiotics are becoming problematic, what do the industry leaders decide to do? Turn to vaccines, replacing one evil with another. According to the Epoch Times, drug maker Merck markets 58 poultry vaccines for diseases that food consumers neither know about nor probably want to know about, like, let's see if I can pronounce these things, Causidiosis, infectious bronchitis, Newcastle disease, infectious larynchitis, Mycoplasma septicum, Marek's disease, which is chicken herpes, infectious bursal disease, hemorrhagic enteritis, rhinotrachitis, that's turkey coryza, avian encephalomyelitis, <laughs> foul pox, and more. By 2020, the animal vaccine market was estimated to be $7.2 billion. The EU Scientific Committee also wrote that the highest rates of breast cancer are observed in North America, where hormone-treated meat consumption is highest in the world. Prostate cancer shows similar variations and is comparable to that of breast cancer. These cancers are known to be hormone-dependent or hormonally mediated. If we continue to fill our bodies and our animals and plants with more and more drugs for every conceivable illness, instead of allowing our natural immune system to do its job, 
we will become more vulnerable to, to, to disease, not less so. It doesn't really matter in the greater scheme of things whether the pandemics afflicting us are real or manufactured. In fact, most probably they are equal parts of both. It doesn't really matter whether the men who rule the world have good intentions or not. If you gave Bill Gates a lie detector test and asked him, is it true that you want to save the planet? He would probably pass with flying colors. If you gave the test to Hitler or Mussolini or Stalin or Bush or Biden, they'd probably pass too. Francis Collins is a perfect example of this delusion. Out of one side of his mouth, he will tell you that he is a Christian and wax poetic about the Human Genome Project and how he helped unlock the language of God, the title of his book. In it, he talks about moral law, the knowledge of right and wrong, and the search for God that characterizes all human cultures throughout history. But somewhere along the line, Collins stopped searching for God and started playing God. He gave in to greed and the lust for power, one lie at a time. Just one of those lies being his denial of gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Laboratory of Virology. By messing with the natural order of things, we have upset the balance, not only of our planet, but of our own minds, our bodies, and our spirits. We lie and then insist that those lies are morally good. Madness. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, he describes purgatory as a town where everyone keeps moving further and further out and away from one another because no one can get along. There are all kinds of famous people there, like Genghis Khan and Julius Caesar. A man who has been in purgatory for some time describes to a recent arrival what it was like to visit Napoleon, and I quote, Two chaps made the journey to see him. They'd started long before I came, of course, but I was there when they came back. About 15,000 years of our time it took them. We've picked out the house by now, just a little prick of light and nothing else near it for millions of miles. But they got there? That's right. He built himself a huge house, all in the empire style, rows of windows flaming with light, though it only shows as a pinprick from where I live. Did they see Napoleon? That's right. They went up and looked through one of the windows. Napoleon was there all right. What was he doing? Walking up and down, up and down all the time, left, right, left, right, never stopping for a moment. The two chaps watched him for about a year, and he never rested, and muttering to himself all the time, it was Stolt's fault, it was Ney's fault, it was Josephine's fault, it was the fault of the Russians, it was the fault of the English, like that, all the time, never stopped for a moment. A little fat man, and he looked kind of tired, but he didn't seem able to stop. Can't you just imagine Biden doing that pacing up and down for all eternity, blaming everyone except himself? It was Trump's fault. It was Putin's fault. Can't you just imagine Fauci? It was Africa's fault. It was the gays' fault. It was the fault of the unvaccinated. A plague of the mind. That book that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote exposing the real Anthony Fauci has 480 pages of fact after blistering fact. Yet where is Dr. Fauci now? Has he been fired? Is he in jail? No, he's continuing on to the next lie and the next. What could be more illustrative of this spreading insanity than CBS TV host Major Garrett's announcing a few days ago that he has tested positive for COVID-19 after having had two Pfizer vaccines and two boosters? Did this make him in the least bit angry? As if he had been cheated, taken for a ride by the drug companies? Far from it. 
Instead, he called Fauci onto his show so that together they could repeat the lies that we are all expected to embrace to make us all feel better about the insanity being imposed upon us. Garrett explained to the good doctor how he had tested positive 13 days after receiving his second booster, which he described as plunging him into isolation. With all the virtue of a Covidian disciple, he shared how he was hunkering down in his home once again, just as he had done during COVID. You're the personification of this, said Fauci in his most reassuring bedside manner, while referring to what should surely have been an alarming statistic, that the infection rates have been rising by more than 100,000 cases per week nationally for the first time since February. This is a highly transmissible virus. It's perfectly acceptable to say insane things like this on national television. Millions of people listen to these lies day and night and then repeat them verbatim. We now know that the mRNA gene therapy COVID drugs are even worse than ineffective. They are dangerous. They, spend, they send spike proteins through our bodies when we were assured they don't. We know that the effects of the spike protein are multifaceted and that it's harmful to the human body in at least eight different ways, such as by damaging the cells of our lungs, damaging our cells' mitochondria, causing inflame, inflammation, and even increasing the risk of blood clots. Furthermore, all of this is compounded by the fact that, according to new studies, the spike protein can persist in the human body for weeks or even months after a person gets vaccinated. But did Dr. Fauci show anyone concern about this in his conversation with Major Garrett? Quite the contrary. He went on to repeat what has become the insane mantra of millions of disciples. And it is very likely that if you were not vaccinated and double boosted, then you would have had a much more severe outcome than you have right now. And you and I, I think very unlikely, Major, we'd be speaking to each other right now. <laughs> Fauci asked if Garrett was on any antiviral medication. Without skipping a beat, Garrett answered yes, all puffed up with pride at his conformity. His primary care physician prescribed the Pfizer pill Paxlovid, a five-day regimen. That was the right course of action, Fauci said. As it happened, that very day, the federal government was ramping up availability of Paxlovid. Garrett reminded Fauci he was boosted, his second on May 9th, and still tested positive within two weeks. Vaccines are not necessarily geared at giving you sterilized immunity or preventing even the slightest bit of an infection, Fauci said. That's the point. <laughs> The main purpose is to prevent you from getting ill, prevent you from being in the hospital, prevent you from dying. Madness, madness, madness. Think about just this one individual, Major Garrett. In the space of a few months, he had four injections for a mild illness called COVID. In the fall, no doubt people will be expected to take a yearly shot of COVID plus the flu. Then there is a monkeypox vaccine. Will they insist on people taking that too? They are developing mRNA vaccines for cancers and other illnesses. Just how many drugs can a person pump into their body before it gives out altogether? I'm not a doctor or a scientist or a psychiatrist, but this seems to me to be a reasonable question. All the way back to 2017, the average American was taking up to four different kinds of medications. You can imagine what it must be now. Let's take one example, antidepressants. 
In Berkeley Political Review, a study showed that just during the early stages of the pandemic in February and March 2020, there was a 21% increase in antidepressant, anti-anxiety, and anti-insomnia prescriptions. Studies suggest that in recent years, antidepressants have been heavily used to treat a variety of mental health disorders or health conditions besides depression, such as anxiety, insomnia, ADHD, and chronic pain. According to Dr. Robin Tamlin, a professor of epidemiology and biostatistics at McGill University, the thing that's of concern here is that when prescribing for conditions other than depression, it's unknown whether the drug is going to be effective because it's never been studied. She continues, these doctors are prescribing in the dark. These words, it's unknown and never been studied and prescribing in the dark, are repeated over and over with all sorts of medications, often with disastrous short and or long-term results. This is exactly what has happened with the COVID vaccines. Do you think doctors tell themselves the truth, that they are drug pushers for the pharmaceutical companies? Of course not. They tell themselves that they are good doctors taking care of their patients. No wonder the majority of doctors remain silent about COVID. They had lost their moral compass long ago. The villains above them running the racket really are as crazy as the ones we see in James Bond movies. They really do want to rule the world. They drug us into compliance, destroy our immune systems, and breed superbugs and drug-resistant diseases. They unleash wars in poor countries, exploit their resources, and force them into debt. They want to control the weather, create a new sun, tap into the power at the center of the earth, release genetically altered bugs, change our genetic code, create mutant humans and chimeras, carve out our organs, abort our fetuses, steal our babies, chip our brains, imprison our children in the metaverse, and submit all of us to mind control by artificial intelligence. They fully intend to spread their madness across the galaxy, infecting other planets, mining the moon, racing to plant their flags on Mars, rubbing their hands together in glee at the thought of space wars. Whoever wins will be master of the universe. Do you dare suggest they might be insane? No, you are the crazy one. The truth is what everybody accepts, right, Owen? I mean, psychiatry. It's the latest religion. We decide what's right and wrong. We decide who's crazy or not. Twelve monkeys. Where would we be without psychiatrists diagnosing everyone with some sort of mental disease? Psychiatry came into existence in the early 1800s with the innovation of insane asylums. In the foreword of Christopher Payne's book, Asylum, Inside the Closed World of State Mental Hospitals, the neurologist Oliver Sacks says that we tend to think of asylums as snake pits, hells of chaos and misery, squalor and brutality. But they didn't start that way. Just like so many things, they started as philanthropic paradises for the good of those who could not care for themselves. People with severe problems, seizures, manic behaviors were placed in these facilities. Gradually, the reasons for someone being confined confined grew vaguer. More and more people arrived, a great way to get rid of anyone from the homeless to unwanted relatives. These homes turned into small towns, forgotten by the philanthropists who had grown bored and moved on to other interests. Sort of like how we lock away our elderly now. That was one of the hypocrisies of COVID. 
Suddenly, everyone claimed they wanted to protect the elderly by isolating them when they had already been isolating the elderly for years. Go to any care home and ask the staff how many of the elderly have relatives who visit them regularly. Chances are they will tell you very few. When I was a teenager, my dad bought a convalescent home and we all used to go there to do arts and crafts with the residents to help serve the meals, read to them. My sister and I even sang to them. I can tell you, it was one of the saddest places I have ever been. I saw firsthand how almost all the elderly have been put out to pasture and forgotten. The staff and the residents loved my parents. They turned the place around and brought humanity back. I remember one lady, I will call her Mary, believed she was related to the Queen of England. She bragged about it constantly, told crazy stories, all shrunken down in her wheelchair, her legs a scary purple color, funny little fuzzy slippers on her feet. She always looked to be in terrible pain. I didn't like being there. It scared and depressed me. It had that old people smell. But my parents insisted we go. They said it was good for us, and it was. I'm glad now for the experience. My family took off one more on more world travels when I was 17, and we said goodbye to the convalescent home residents for the next year. In London, Mom bought a postcard with a photo of the Queen on it, and she wrote a greeting to Mary and signed it with affection, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> My mom didn't have to do that, but she knew how much it would mean to Mary, all alone in the world, with only her fantasies for friends. The staff told us that when Mary received the postcard and saw who it was from, she could not contain her wonder and excitement. That little act of thoughtfulness became the highlight of her dreary life. She talked of nothing else for a long time after that, keeping the postcard next to her in the wheelchair and by her bed, showing it to everyone over and over. This is how you heal people, with human kindness, not by medicating them into stupefaction, compliance, and eventually death. By the beginning of the 20th century, the moral motivation to offer the mentally ill a pleasant environment in which to live was replaced by more invasive solutions. Around the turn of the 20th century, the neurologist Sigmund Freud published theories on the unconscious roots of what he termed psychoneurosis. These disorders impaired relationships and work or produced odd symptoms such as paralysis or mutism that could not be explained medically. Freud developed psychoanalysis to treat these neurotic patients. Based on what? It doesn't take a psychiatrist to determine that his conclusions were a result of his own neurosis. How could his made-up mental diseases, especially in women, be deemed accurate when it was impossible for him to be impartial? An explanation of Freud's view of women is that he saw women's sexual development as an aborted development based on discovering that they didn't have penises and therefore that they were thrown off course for the rest of life. This is the father of psychology. Experimentation on humans became the norm. Electric shock was applied to people's brains. Lobotomies were performed as a treatment. Straitjackets were first introduced at the turn of the century, along with hosing down, shackles, and holes being drilled into brains to relieve brain pressure. German physicians gave birth to the idea of mental diseases of the brain, lending credence to the idea of treating it in the same way one might treat a physical disease. Psychiatry and the German state worked together to institutionalize those with damaged minds, which is really a form of the elite engineering eugenics on an unsuspecting public. Dr. Thomas Zez, author of The Myth of Mental Illness, says, 
The evil genius of psychiatry continues to lie in its ability to convince itself, the legal system, and the public that there is no conflict between the legitimate interests of the individual and the legitimate interests of the political class in charge of the state. Karl Warnick, a prominent 19th century German neuropsychiatrist, observed, the medical treatment of mental patients began with the infringement of their personal freedom. Little by little, this madness spread out of the insane asylum and into the general population. We all suffered from some sort of disorder, physical and mental. Drugs became the answer to everything put into our food, our water, our air, even cocaine into Coca-Cola and lithium into 7-Up. Fluoride was put in our water and in our toothpaste. Over time, the general public were duped through advertising and their drug-pushing doctors into believing that they needed drugs in order to be happy and healthy. Popping a pill, taking a vaccine is the most natural thing in the world for most people to do. This is why for so many people, submitting to a COVID experimental drug was the most natural thing. They trusted the science. Even though it made absolutely no sense and was clearly abusive and exploitative. Psychoanalysis was built on the suppositions of men who were no doubt insane themselves. Someone should have psychoanalyzed Freud, but who could do it? And the other man making a diagnosis was in the same boat, fulfilling his own fantasies by giving credence to them, creating terms, and identifying them as mental disorders. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders is the American Psychiatric Association's standard reference for psychiatry, which includes over 450 different definitions of mental disorders. The International Classification of Diseases, published by the World Health Organization, is the international standard system for classifying all medical diseases. Some of these disorders include obsessive-compulsive disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, compulsive hoarding, trichotillomania, exoriation disorder, that's a skin-picking disorder, body-focused repetitive behavior disorder, olfactory reference syndrome, I could go on and on. Who can escape a diagnosis of mental illness? If they can't find one in their book, they will make one up just for you if if it is in their interest to do so. The day may come when this will happen. We will be forced to accept the diagnosis or it will be further proof of our insanity. The madness is escalating and the more it escalates, the more outrageous the claims of disorders and cures become. Those of us who have seen through the lies up until this point look at monkeypox and laugh. It isn't worth our time or consideration except to make some silly, funny memes about it, just like we did about toilet paper in the beginning of COVID. But don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into habits that begin to feel comfortable. Shake your head a bit. Go for a run. Clear your brain. Go to church and sing some hymns. Read some books, real books. Climb a mountain. Talk to friends on a warm summer evening out beneath the stars instead of sitting in front of a screen that is stealing your soul. Don't succumb to the madness. The end. Thank you so much for listening and reading. Please share. And many blessings to you.